You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello and welcome back to Bastards and Broken Things, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast yeah. by, of course, Fan Critical. Yeah. We are back covering Season 8, Episode 2, titled A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Ooh, great name, great name. Great name. Love that name for the episode. Very, very true, Gareth. And that is Gareth. Today we're joined by the Great Houses once more and the not-so-great houses. Uh, hello to John, who's House Tarly. Hello. Yeah. Hello there. Our very own Samwell-ish type character. Emma, you've never been given a house. We're going to call you House Aaron because you kind of remind me of, you know, the breastfeeding Lisa, Liza Aaron. <laughs> yes. you know? That's really fucking rude. It's not Liza. rude. And you've definitely given me a house before that wasn't Aaron. Yeah, well, that's awful. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's not as bad as this one. Gareth's joining us and he's House Tully. Hope you've learned the words over there, mate. Yeah, whatever, mate. Um, and Len is hosting, and he's representing House Frey. So. <laughs> Never call anyone a Frey, mate. That's a that's a that's a low that's blow. That's that's banned much. on this Sorry. podcast. Take it back. I wasn't here last week. Uh, I was in Australia with Gareth watching Game of Thrones, and I want to say thank <laughs> you to uh, to John for stepping up and hosting last mm. week. Yeah, good job. Good one. Yeah, you enjoyed it, did you? No, no, didn't enjoy it. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> Emma, you were absolutely hammered. Do you want to defend yourself? Because it was embarrassing at points last week, mate. Literally no defence whatsoever. I was trolleyed. So, uh, ah, trolleyed. Ah, trolleyed. Uh, Sir this trolleyed. week, slightly less so. Um, but I feel like I deserve the Aaron comparison just for being a fucking mess. Yeah, you, you were an absolute mess, mate, listening to that. Um, John said it was difficult to edit. and Extremely you know, difficult to edit. He was up till 2am, GMT. But I was with Gareth in Australia and listening to the podcast... Me and Gareth had some thoughts. We weren't overly keen on the premiere, were we, Gareth? I thought you were going to say we weren't overly keen on the podcast. Yeah, that's true. That, that as well. That as well. Let's say two of them. Um, no, absolutely not. Uh, you and I, we spoke about the episode before we heard the podcast, and we were both pretty disappointed. Um, and I expected there to be a similar vein of thought in the pod. And um, when you guys were doubling our blueberry scores uh that that came as quite a surprise to be honest yeah i mean some of the stuff last week i thought was laughable um some of the dialogue yeah. some of the interactions it all felt so forced and i understand that they're trying to squeeze this you know the season and the, and the whole show to be finished as soon as possible oh my lord you felt all of those season seven problems in that premiere mm. the dragon riding yeah. The most laughable oh thing I've seen for a very long time. And I've watched the episode three times now. It has not improved. 
it was literally like Bran goes, we don't have time for this. The Night King has, uh, you know, he's got a dragon, he's marching, marching south, and then a whole new world just came on with them riding dragons. It was terrible, mm. terrible. That was so Disney-esque. Like, that's what you would expect if if this if they made a Game of Thrones Disney animation. Um, that would be, like, one of the big the big musical moments mm. um, with Jon and Danny singing to each other as they fly their dragons <laughs> through the night sky. <laughs> Oh well, we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about singing later this episode. And then because, Drogon start yeah. singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, so yeah, I would have given last week a three, Gareth. Uh, I, I originally gave That's it. It's not t- terrible. No, though. it's not terrible. And, I, and I, I will caveat by saying Game of Thrones is better than most things on television. It's just there. It was just so disappointing that that dragon riding moment really hurt me because it's meant to be something that you wait. You probably wait seven books you know for that mm. moment and it just felt so random like Dan, random. Danny's yeah. like oh I've got a new I don't know toy or car you want to give it a spin yeah yeah here you go and it was just like so weird especially yeah. like why is she not saying why is she not saying how's he doing that because only Targaryens can ride dragons <clears throat> so bizarre she doesn't want to admit the truth yeah fair anyway let's move on to this week's episode which was a vast improvement in my opinion but before i talk about my thoughts on the episode i want to get your guys thoughts can you please give us a blueberry score and for anyone listening for the first time could someone please explain the blueberry rating system to our lovely lovely listeners yeah i'll I'll go first um so a blueberry scale is thus you can have zero bloobs you can have five bloobs but you can have no half bloob. It's a famous scale. Um, It's fair, but it's firm, much like a blueberry. Mm. Um, Patented by Gaz. Um, Thank you. I... I mean, it was originally a spin-off from the Raspberry scale, but we won't get into that at this this stage. Um, I'm going to give this episode a four. I think it was really slow, this episode. Um, And for the first half of it, I was kind of like, what's the point in these conversations they don't really seem to be going anywhere um but then it really kicked on and i mean that scene uh which obviously the episode in hindsight is named after uh brienne and her moment is exceptional um and emma started crying and i think she's crying now as well um (laughs) So I, I would give this a four bloob. It's not, I don't think it's one of the best episodes in the world. And uh, I, I think the only rewatch value will be that scene, but at least it was crafted uh, particularly well in comparison to, you know, Dragon Gate last week. But it was brilliant. I um, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I chomping at the bit for uh, for the next episode. So pretty good, I've got to say. Yeah, definitely, John. Nice summary there. Very much like that. Emma, your thoughts, your tears, your weeping. Some weeping, yes. Um, this week, sober weeping, not just hysterical <laughs> drunk weeping. Um, Jesus. I, <laughs> the, um, the interesting thing, actually, when we were talking about this earlier about last week, is that when you record immediately after watching and the excitement of the first episode, I think it feels better than it is. Yeah. Um, this episode was definitely better than last week. Um, in, in, as I said, in hindsight, there were some things I didn't like as much about the first episode. Um, what John said is absolutely right. The the best bit for me was um, Brienne's knighthood. Yeah, it's great. Uh, fantastic, absolutely Lovely beautifully done. And that whole group, the whole group of them there were were great. And it was really nice to see uh, most of the the pairings that came out. 
um, across this episode to kind of give some closure to relationships where probably quite a lot of people are going to die next week. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to echo echo John for blueberries for me. Nice, Gareth. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying that I thought that last last week's episode was a two blueberry for me, and I've got no interest in seeing that episode again ever really <laughs> I, I i struggle I, w- I would struggle to tell you what happened in it um to be honest the, the, because it just none of it felt <laughs> felt natural other than yeah the magic carpet dragon moment um, <laughs> which yeah now is burnt into my memory thanks to that john um but this episode i absolutely loved like i this it's actually it's made me more angry at last week's episode because yes. it just made me think that last week was totally unnecessary um just k- kick off with this episode do forget about what happened last episode which i have and and start with this one um the so many brilliant reunions so many um so many conversations that were just handled beautifully like um dialogue was amazing the acting was top notch throughout from like everybody just felt a lot more natural um the whole thing uh i know that i know that you know game of thrones we often kind of think that it needs action for it to be a brilliant episode but this was this had well i i had some action but Ooh, other than that boy. right um, <laughs> that not not a lot but this was I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and I'm going to actually give it a five bloob. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, that is ridiculous. I, I have to say, Gareth, I'm, um, I'm not going to give it a five blueberry because I just think it falls short. However, <clears throat> compare. You are completely right. Comparing the season premiere with this episode is like chalk and cheese for me. The issues behind season seven were the rushing, the teleportation, and I understand that we had to get people places. You're seeing the benefits of actually having everyone in the same place in this episode, because we were saying when we were watching it, and you will hear some of our live reactions throughout this podcast, we were saying that it felt a bit slow. But I literally immediately said, I love that, because some of these conversations is what Game of Thrones is all about. These slow you know, intimate moments between characters that honestly have been snatched from us for the last season and a half almost now. And this is the first time we we stayed in Winterfell and just went around all these different characters. And it was beautiful. And the acting was excellent. The dialogue and the writing, apart from one moment, which I think I'll bring up later on, and I think, John, you had an issue with, yeah. was excellent. Um, brilliant stuff. This is Game of... Th- I'm, I, I, I was worried after last week's episode, that it was going to be all action and just no more character-driven stuff. After watching this episode, I feel a lot more secure that this season is going to be is going to be great. Um, and obviously, we've got a big battle coming up next week. So for me, it's a four. It just misses out on a five. It's a high four. We can't do halves. Don't ever try it. Uh, it's a high four. So that's <laughs> that's Valerian. high Valerian four. It's a high Valerian four. Very good, John. Yeah. Love, love that. I just I just want to say. John having a crack at me saying this is a five. You gave last week's a, a four. Yeah, if you think this week and last week are as good as each other, you're the joke in this situation. <laughs> but hold on, mate. So we're going feisty. Well, this is bollocks because you do you do the worst <laughs> of Netflix, 
and you got the fucking temerity to give last week's episode a two when you've given Left Behind a one. So don't come at me with this scoring system. That is ridiculous. Uh, And if you would like to hear the worst of Netflix, it is on our channel. Check it out. But before we jump into the recap of this episode of Game of Thrones, a quick advert. Kill the boy, Jon Snow. Winter is almost upon us. Kill the boy. And let the man be born. Hello, yes, this is the advert section. Not too long, hopefully, but there are some very, very exciting things coming up here at Fan Critical and Bastards and Broken Things. First of all, I want to say that if you are a subscriber to this channel, Bastards and Broken Things, or Fan Critical, please do subscribe to the other one. Do a little switcheroo. Just subscribe. Subscribe all over the place. Mm, we really, more work. More work. Yeah, just, you know, you're listening to it right now. If you're not subscribed, just hit the little subscribe button. Very simple, very easy. We very much appreciate that. This is a big week for us because not only is Game of Thrones building up to the biggest battle it's ever had in the Battle of Winterfell, which will surely be next Monday, mm. we also have Avengers Endgame, yeah! which, right. which is coming out uh, midnight on Wednesday. Uh, mm. So just want to say we are very excited about that. We are going to one of the first showings possible and the podcast for that will be out imminently after the actual theatrical release of <laughs> Avengers Endgame. So please do stay tuned for that. That will be amazing. We love Avengers stuff here. It's one of our favourite things with Game of Thrones. Mm. So do check that out. That'll be on the Fan Critical channel. So if you are just a subscriber to Bastards and Broken Things, we are part of a large podcasting family. And the main hub of our podcasting family is called Fan Critical on any podcast app, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, you name it, we're on it. Mm. Also, if you'd like to sponsor us further, we do have a Patreon account. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash fancritical. And on there, you can see several tiers in which you can uh, sponsor us. You do get rewarded for the level of money that you money. put. Money. Give it yet. Yeah, John more loves the monies. Money. Um, for the most basic uh, contribution, you get access to our cast episodes, which are hilarious. We recast famous films with a whole new cast of people. You know, everything's being rebooted these days. We decide to reboot them in our own fictional cast it world. Uh, the results are usually brilliant. So support us and you get access to that. Now, into the recap of... Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. I have a tender spot in my heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. So the episode opens up with our boy Jamie, one of our favourite characters, and he appears to be in some sort of court session. Mm. Every major character is pretty much in this room, judging him. Little judgy, judgy Jamie time. Yeah. Out of order. Out of order. Now, I understand that Danny is a bit angry at Jamie for the you know the, the family stuff. Just a little bit. She's pissing me off this season. Mm. A lot. Yeah. I have to say her mishandling of the north at this stage is ridiculous. Missing hand. Uh, oh, very good. <laughs> Love that. Interesting that he's there being judged by the way by by the wolves and the dragons. Um after he said remember that scene when he was in the bathtub with Brienne a few years ago and he said uh, by what right does the wolf judge the lion? Yes. Well, it's happening now, isn't it? Oh, love that, Gareth. Nice little callback. Very good callback. And, you know, I am seeing this season a lot of very nice callbacks, especially as we get towards the end of the whole thing. Mm. They are really calling back to some of the season one content. That is obviously season three content. Um, so I'm loving those callbacks. Good point. Mm. John, what did you think about Danny in this scene? Danny particularly, because I thought Jamie handled himself extremely well in this situation. Yeah. I mean, 
he didn't have much of a choice. If you went in there and gone, oh, get over it, fuck it now. <laughs> I'm coming up here to give you a hand, literally one. Oh. Um, so, uh, well, look, Danny is, but Danny's reaction is correct. Like, if she'd have just gone, look, it's, we've only got, like, a few episodes left. Um, there's no point in having <laughs> conflict. Let's just get on. Um, and that kind of does happen in the end. But um, I, I, I like the scene. Uh, I didn't like Tyrion being made a fool. Again. Again. Again, man. Sit down. I am sitting down. Oh, sorry, I just assumed because of that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just like, uh, it's just painful to watch. But another great moment for Brienne. I mean, she was spectacular this uh, this episode. Yeah, Brienne stepping up was a moment that I think we all needed to see because Jamie was getting absolutely battered from pillar to post and he needed a bit of support. Emma, thoughts on Brienne? Yeah, John is entirely right. Brienne's fantastic. Gwendolyn Christie plays it um, beautifully and it was nice to see her standing up for for Jamie again. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about what they're doing with Tyrion at the moment, Um, but Danny's getting on my tits, if I'm honest, not in a nice way. (laughs) No, uh, you know, Brienne stepping up for Jamie was something, you know, I was hoping here that we would get you know, a story, the story about why he killed, you know, the Mad King. Because at this moment, only sort of Brienne knows that and Jamie knows that. And it was a shame that... Well, fucking Wan knows. Wan knows, yeah. And he, uh, I mean, he throws him under the bus, man. (laughs) (laughs) The things we do for love. The things we do for love. No, it's it's one of those things, it's one of those things, isn't it? Though, like, you know, to maintain dignity. Like if, if he waits till this moment in front, like when he's being judged and goes, oh yeah, but I only done that because your dad was going mental and was going to burn everyone. <laughs> then they'd be like, right, yeah, sure. Danny just but, goes, oh you know, yeah, he, that's convenient. Holds burn him. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, judge me for whatever you want, but this is, I had, I did what I had to do and I'm, and I'm here looking, looking brilliant, by the way. His, I, I love that opening shot. His face is just perfect. Like he, so well acted without saying anything yeah. it, it is mad when you look at Jamie and Tyrion and there's a scene later on between them but it is mad when you look at them now and you go back and see season one episode one what they look like mm. they have been through the ringer yeah like Fucking Jesus they are battle worn <laughs> very battle worn and I love that I love seeing these characters I was thinking it the whole time when I was looking at Tyrion's face when I was looking at Jamie's face like they've seen some things now mm. you know they've they've been through it and that really shows in this episode, especially with some of the conversations later on. It turns out that uh, Sansa believes Brienne's, you know, pledge for Sir Jamie. Mm. He gets a pardon. He's allowed to fight for the living, which is obviously very integral. He's needed to be there. He's a he's a general, you know, for fuck's sake. Yes, yeah. we will take him. He's won a lot of battles, please. But Tyrion is losing favour with Daenerys. How many mistakes has he made now, John? I mean, I can't remember when he got anything correct. What has he got correct? The dragon glass thing, maybe. What was that? Letting John like, yeah, just, yeah. just let him do what he wants to do. Yeah, good point. That's yeah. that's fair. That's about it. Like uh, fucking hell. Like, and they're bad mistakes as well. All right, yes. so we've just given up King's Landing. Like, we're we're definitely outmaneuvered now in terms of number of people that they've just brought over. Like, you're shit, mate. To be honest, now sit down again. Yeah. I am sitting. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just like. Ugh. Well, let's think about it. When they came over across the narrow sea to the Seven Kingdoms, she had the Dornish army, which had never ever been defeated, not even by the Targaryens when they first came mm. over 
um, 300, over 300 years ago with dragons, yeah. the Dornish were never defeated. The only way the Dornish were brought into the Targaryen reign was through marriage, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Dornish never been defeated. Defeated instantly. Mm. Uh, the Tyrells. <laughs> large, la- literally instantly. Yeah. Largest army, the Tyrells. Largest wealth after the Lannisters. And the Lannisters are in serious debt. Mm. Uh, defeated instantly. Yeah. Again. And now they've given all their money to Lannisters. And now the Lannisters <laughs> have used that money to buy the Golden Company. 20,000 soldiers. Mm. No elephants no there. No elef- uh, yeah. yeah. Too expensive. Too expensive. Silly. <laughs> so that's happened under his watch. Not only that, he's, you know, believed Cersei and said that the army's coming north. When it's not. So he's fucked up majorly. I mean, mm. you know, if this was a game of, of risk, you'd be on your last couple rolls here. Game of Thrones. It is, well, yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, but it is a shame. But Jorah does something very interesting later on in the episode, which is to ask for Tyrion's forgiveness and to forgive him and say that you need him and he is the right hand. You know, I wanted to be the hand, but he's actually the right choice. Mm. What are your thoughts on that, Emma? It was exactly what I would have wanted George to do, actually, because he came into that room and it looked a bit like he was about to, and you know, we, we reacted the same way to this, mm. looked like he was going to say, no, it's my job, I'm going to put yeah. oh, put Can you imagine if he'd have been slimy like that? I'd have hated yeah. that. Yeah. But what he did was exactly who Jorah is. Scaly. Yeah, it's scaly. <laughs> well done, Gaz. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it worked really well. I think... Clearly, it's it's pushing Danny back to who she was when you know Jorah was around when she was younger before she became mm. fucking nutso. Yeah. Um, hey, it's not so. Hey, it's not so Targaryen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really, I really liked it, and mm. I think he made the right choice, and and I think Tyrion is the right choice, but for some reason he's been written like a, a moron. Yeah. Can we just talk about quickly the theory that we mentioned in our theory podcast? And this isn't any spoilers or anything, but. We did discuss that one of the, the popular theories this season is that Tyrion is going to portray Daenerys in some way. Mm. Um, I can definitely see that happening now after the first two episodes. Especially the way that Danny is being portrayed at the moment. Even the stare that she gives John at the end, which we'll come on to, I mm. think is extremely interesting. She is slightly unhinged. And I think, you know, Tyrion might see John as a far superior candidate to be on the Iron Throne. Mm. What do you guys think? Tyrion going to be killed this season possibly by Daenerys possibly killing Daenerys in some way not literally via his hand but you know some way by betraying Mm. her to install someone else as as the monarch I think that um I think that you know this the the anger that Danny showed towards Tyrion she hasn't really shown any of that like not not in not that explicitly anyway and you know it's probably fair based on what's been happening but that's probably like a watershed moment for him. And like you imagine he's going to up his game now as Hand from this point on. And I think for his character and for like for the fans of the show, like they'll want to see Tyrion getting some things right now. Like so he, he's going to have to get something right. In terms of long longer term, and I suppose there isn't that much longer term left, is there? But I think um, if, if Tyrion betrays Danny, then it will be as part of a bigger coup. Like it won't just be Tyrion going, ah, now I have the crossbow again and I'm gonna kill you while you're on the toilet. It will be like everybody has turned on Danny and it's now this big movement to get John onto the Iron Throne. Or Aegon onto the Iron Throne. Yeah. We know that uh Varys varies varies is also uh keen to, you know, see if Daenerys is genuinely insane. Yeah. Because he has concerns. Mm. Jorah is obviously extremely loyal and never be put on that category. 
John is questioning things. Samwell is questioning her for the burning of the Tarleys and all of this sort of stuff. And would, I think would you, you have done that? I've done things, Sam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> dodgy stuff. Yeah, dodgy, dodgy stuff. Uh, we'll come on to some dodgy stuff later. But uh, let's move on because Daenerys is is a big part of this episode in a way, even though she's sort of a secondary character in a lot of the scenes. Mm. Daenerys tries to win Sansa's favour through their mutual love for Jon, uh, but is unable to answer her questions when Sansa questions what will happen to the North after the war against the dead. Mm. Thoughts? I, I thought it was a bit shit. Yeah? Yeah, like... Again, but but this is what I'm talking about in terms of like discussions that don't really seem to go anywhere. Mm. It's like, well, like, uh, she still doesn't like her, um, and Sansa has very legitimate concerns about what it means for the North. Mm. Like, and why does any of that matter? Like, Wan should have wheeled himself in and just went, look, <laughs> why are you still talking about that? I've said before, just forget that. Like, it just annoys me. Can you stop talking about that, please? Yeah. Jesus. I, 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 I don't, I don't agree, J-Mac. I think it's, um, I think it's, that was an important, important conversation to have. Like, it's good that, that they're having those, that we're hearing those conversations because that's a, a, a I, a, it doesn't go I anywhere, though. Well, I think I think the thing is, it's it, it no. I mean, but it shows that there's where the tension is, and it shows that you know it's not just going to be happy families, even if yeah, even yeah. if they do win, they're not all just going to sort of sit around and like the Brady Bunch or whatever afterwards. It's they're gonna they've got some serious stuff to work out afterwards, and they're not going to agree. It's politically intriguing again, which is what what Game of Thrones is brilliant at. Yeah, but you, you know I like has that. has been brilliant at. You, you, know, you know I like all that political discussion and manoeuvring. Like, that's the good stuff. You, you, you don't want to... You don't just want episodes like Beyond the Wall, which was awful. But yeah. it's just it doesn't seem to move the story along. It doesn't... It's, it's putting the pieces into place. Like, you can't just... You can't just... You can't have a chess game... If the pieces haven't been put in the right spot yet, I don't know, but yeah, but the the comparison would be in a chess game, like moving your pawn, or sorry, m- moving your castle for any chess enthusiasts out there. Um, <laughs> just like just you, um, you move. By the your way, castle. chess critical, chess critical <laughs> coming next week. So um, you move your castle like two spaces, and then a couple moves later, you just move it back to the same space. And it's like, what happened there? Did anything happen? Nothing really happened. We didn't learn anything new about either character. Like, so, so that's the problem I had with that. And I guess that scene would... I feel like th- those minutes would be better served trying to explain why Sansa and Theon are now a fucking couple. Like, like that, that stuff that I want to know. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, I do see both sides of the argument. I just like the fact that Sansa this season is seeming intelligent. Strong. Intelligent, strong. strong oh, she's, you know, she looks like a great leader. Yeah. She seems like a great leader. I mean, she has gone from sort of zero to 100 a bit, but obviously that's the rushing of everything. But... Mm. You know, she does seem like she's got a grasp on everything. Uh, but the Theon thing that you mentioned there, John, is is very, very interesting because what is going on there? It's fucking weird, man. Uh, she has this sort of connection with Theon that I wanted to see from John and Arya last week. Mm. Why was the John yeah. and Arya reunion not having this swell of music, the tears, that sort totally of emotive that stuff? And then... Theon and Sansa, out of fucking left field, seems to be like... And now they're a couple, apparently. Mm. She's looking at him like, 
You've got, you've got no cock. I'm interested. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it did come out of nowhere a bit, didn't it? Here we go. Over um, to the cock specialist. Yeah. yeah. Thoughts. <laughs> Co- cockless specialist. Cockless uh. specialist. Um, yeah, I mean, it came out of nowhere, but you're right. I mean, the impact of that was fantastic, even if we were confused. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about them as a couple, but I feel a bit better about it than I can see other it. things. I, I don't know. Oh, well, I can see it, kind yeah. of, but you, you don't... I mean, look, if you... They planted the seeds a little bit before, but now it's like, well, what's going on here? He's not like... he's not doing any of that himself, is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I've got to say, though, I've got to say, I, I, I welled up at that point. Like, I, his face, um, Theon's face, and it's just the end of the Theon Greyjoy redemption Cop. arc. Like, yeah. that, that is, that's been a long, long time coming. And... Uh, <laughs> Not very long at all. <laughs> Quite short, actually. Nubbin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's a nice moment for Theon. It's a nice moment for Theon, but what? it just didn't make any sense for Sansa, really. I know he rescued her from that terrible situation. He's smooth like an action man. Like, why would she be interested? Good point. I, I've got to say, it does feel a little bit like they're just trying to pair everybody off. And I don't yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, you have to do that. Yeah. You know, we've, no. this, this episode was all about relationships and mm. couples shipping i don't think that it is necessary for everyone to be in a fucking relationship in this show no some people can be alone but they seem to be pairing everybody up like it's a necessity mm. and i i'm not i'm not a big fan of that yeah mm. that just is, pod that's... just banging davos <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was after the credits did you see that? <laughs> yeah. we did think there was gonna be a post-credit scene <laughs> he was he was could singing he was singing throughout <laughs> La, la, la. <laughs> Drogon singing and watching as well, <laughs> which is actually Bran. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. So as I said, Theon has returned to Winterfell, but so too do we get the reunion of some other characters. Dolores Ed, one of the most underrated characters in the show, yeah. also returns. Tormund Giantsbane, and we hear the explanation of that very nicely later on. Uh, and Beric returned to Winterfell. Uh, and report that House Umber has been totally destroyed, and now that they fight for the dead, and also before the sun comes up, they will be, you know, there, ready to fight them. The battle is going to happen that evening or at sunrise. I mean, Beric has a way of delivering news, doesn't he? Yeah. So, uh, how's, how are the Umbers? Well, they fight for the army of the dead now. All right, keep your fucking... Keep that down. Yeah. Like, you're going to scare everyone <laughs> in the fucking court, mate. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. You tell like, him. Far this is poetic. like a small <laughs> council meeting. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah, no. Just a couple of the children in the background going, oh, what? What's going on? Don't worry about it. You'll be fighting for him too, little kids. Very soon. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice to have the reunion of uh, Dolores and John and Samwell, to be fair, because obviously the Night's Watch. We, we'll talk about a scene with them later on later on in this podcast Mm. but the important thing here is that they've all returned and this is what i mean all the characters are now that we really care about are in winterfell did you think that the the, when uh, when john came and gave dolores ed a hug and uh like shook um beric's beric's hand they (laughs) and the the silence went on for a little bit too long it was like they didn't know what to say to each other It, it just got a little bit awkward it was like give him a hug and then they just looked at each other for sort of five seconds. Like, do you how do you how do you travel? Do you get up here by 
by horse or oh no we just uh so the army of dead were coming down so what we did is we went around them <laughs> we went around them i mean i don't know how that tracks to make any sense to be completely <laughs> honest with you um but we'll just go with it i mean there's a lot of things this season where you're kind of like doesn't make any sense like why did they leave lord umber pegged on a wall when they didn't know that anyone was behind them why not why not? Why Just not? for shits and giggles. Just a laugh, isn't it? N- Night King's there like, what about this little Lord Umber kid? Put him on the wall. Yeah. What, spiral symbol again? Yeah, go on then. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what would be right funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give, it, give us those arms. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, it's just That'd be you, the sort of masochist of the uh, of, of the White Walkers. Just bring like, a bit of humour. What's he doing? Pinning him up days. on the wall again? Oh, not again. <laughs> so as we get these characters returning to Winterfell, we do have a very. I thought was actually a very cool scene where we have a sort of battle meeting between all of the major characters discussing and we see very, you know, plainly laid out that the army of the dead massively overwhelms that of the army of the living. Mm. Um, They pretty much say that they can't win this fight man to man and that they need to take out the Night King. And the reason they say they need to take out the Night King is is because, as we know, they believe that if they were to kill the Night King, all of the soldiers that he has raised, which we believe to be everybody, um, would cease to exist. Yeah. So it's a very smart plan. But the thing that... Sort of. But the thing we didn't know is that he's obsessed with killing Bran, (laughs) which... I think was it, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Kill that kid. If he's completely obsessed with killing Bran, why is he not at any point in, in like the last season giving it a bash? Well, we did try oh, when he was in the when he's in the giant yeah, weirwood. One time. That, oh fucking hell! Well, that is well, true. Trying to kill a kid more than one time. I mean, if you if you try it the once, probably yeah, it's, like it's probably been, a few too many. It's not like he's been chasing him down, like. Kind this of, hasn't just very been a slowly. theme. He, he just, just tore feels... down a wall to get to him, mate. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't clear. Uh, yeah, I mean, they are moving very slowly. Yeah, I, I think... But that's but that's up for debate as to why now. Mm, I think mm. it's an interesting point that he wants to kill Bran, and Samwell articulates it quite well in this episode. He says, like, you know, it, it would erase the memory of men. And that is something that, you know, the maesters of this fantastic institution that has been in Westeros for <laughs> hundreds of years. Big fan of the Maesters. He's selling memberships. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big time. Um, <laughs> and they record... Didn't you know, know our Patreon offered that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they record the, the sort of histories of men and and the, the thousands of years that have gone on before. And you can see that they've actually forgotten... Uh, the details of the long night, which was 8,000 years ago, the first time the White Walkers invaded, all this sort of stuff. Mm. And Samwell is obviously a man of knowledge, as is Tyrion. And it's interesting that they say that, you know, killing Bran uh, and the Three-Eyed Raven, who has this, you know, encyclopedic knowledge of the race of men and the time of the first men, the children of the forest on Westeros, would be essentially, you know, wiping out a whole civilization because they Mm. wouldn't know who they are. Even if they survived, they wouldn't know what they'd been through you know the stories wouldn't live on so that is an interesting point something that hasn't actually ever been brought up before I mean what do you think about that yeah but I guess again like it doesn't answer the why why did the Night King not go after the original three-eyed raven he didn't well this is this is the thing about the three-eyed raven he wasn't marked by the Night King and we know in this episode that Bran Shows the mark. Remember when Bran... Showing it off, wasn't he? Showing it off, yeah. Look at that. He, well, he's got stuff to show off, mate. Well, well that's all he's got to show off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know what you were doing last night. No, why'd you know that? Um, but he's got the mark of the, the Night King. 
And the original Three-Eyed Raven doesn't. And Bran does say that the Night King has always been trying to kill the Three-Eyed Raven, but he's not been able to do it. Mm. The reason he's not been able to do it is because they've not been marked, I assume. And Bran was stupid enough to go wandering off in the sort of the the visions and the dreams without the supervision of the Three-Eyed Raven. I mean, he should have been told by the Three-Eyed Raven originally. Like, if you are going to go wandering, if he touches you, we're both fucked. So, <laughs> yeah, he just a little heads up. Is this the Michael Jackson documentary? Or... <laughs> <laughs> little known thing about Bran and the Night King is well, there's this theory before like the time of the show, there was this time where Bran was left um, in Winterfell on his own because everybody else had gone on holiday and they forgot to take him. <laughs> and this guy, this guy tried to break into Winterfell. And Bran ran around setting off traps and everything. And in the end, like, soldiers came and arrested this guy. That guy turned into the Night King. And Fuck. he's out for revenge. This is actually Home Alone 3. The real Home Alone 3. Yeah, the, the, real, the real Home Alone 3. Alone 3. Yeah. yeah, I think they yeah. were called the Cold Bandits, the ones that tried to uh, get into the castle. <laughs> oh, good. Definitely very good. <laughs> wet and cold. And, yeah, <laughs> very good. Um, so we know now that the Night King is going to be try to be lord to the Weirwood, where Theon puts his hand up and goes, oh, I'll stay with you. Mm. At that point, I was cracking up because I was like, what is he going to do? Yeah. No offence. Against the Night King, nothing. Um, but I want to bring on the theory that we've been talking about as a group at this stage, which is the fact that we know that the Battle of Winterfell is next week. We can clearly see that from, from this episode. Yep. Who actually thinks the Night King will actually even be at that battle? Nope. No um, chance. Well, no, I mean, he, he could, in the original predictions pod, I think there was something like him being on a dragon and just decimating the Golden Company and then raising them as... Yeah. And then just attacking them from the south up to the north. So he could very well just go straight to King's Landing. Fuck all this battle nonsense. Yeah, I mean, Gareth, you put something on our WhatsApp group earlier this week. Uh, you want to elaborate on what you have been researching well, I mean, I'll give a I'll give a shout out to um, to my mate Bleachy. He knows who he is. Um, who who <laughs> shared okay. it with me? Not his real name. Um, but uh, but yeah, essentially, it's that you know the Night King. The Night King isn't an idiot, um, and he he knows what's going on. He's obviously very conscious of what's happening. And we, I think, the end of this the end of this episode gave us a hint. That he's not going to be there because he wasn't in it. He wasn't in the end of the episode when yeah. the army were turning up. Yeah. Um, and although we kind of we've assumed that this battle is going to be won by um, the White Walkers and that the living will end up fleeing, um, what could well happen is that the living actually win this particular battle. But whilst they are all like celebrating it, that the Night King has actually gone down south he's just gone around as well yeah Um, because you can do that to get down south to king's landing and he's going to take his um he's going to take um viserion uh you know undead viserion with him um and go and burn up king's landing and fuck that up so i think that is far more likely there's a few hints as well so yeah some of the hints that you allude to are the fact that at the start or towards the end of last season, John specifically asks Tyrion how many people live in that shithole, King's Landing. And he mm. says, you know, a couple of million. 
And he's like, okay, that's a million people that could be part of the army of the dead. There's that. We've also had visions of the throne room covered in snow or ash. We weren't <laughs> we weren't sure at this point. When Very Daenerys dirty. has visions in the House of the Undying, mm. she has visions of the future. We also see in Bran's visions a dragon shadow flying over King's Landing. Now, yeah. at the time, we thought that that was potentially Beleriand the Dread <clears throat> from hundreds of years ago. Uh, we also believed it could be Danny riding to King's Landing. But as it's a solitary dragon mm. and not part of like the, the three original dragons, there is the now thought that that is actually uh, Undead Viserion and the Night King mm. flying over King's Landing. And he's going to wreak havoc on King's Landing, as you said, turn the Golden Company yeah. and... I mean, very naughty. It, very naughty. I mean, and it's not a tactic that hasn't been used in the show before. Think about the Whis Battle of Whispering Wood, which is mentioned in this episode, and we'll mm. come on to later with Jamie, where Rob captured Jamie and used a diversionary tactic to do yeah, that. Outmaneuvers him. Outmaneuvers him. And Jamie did the same thing to Danny last season when Tyrion and, and co took Casterly Rock, but they left a, like, a skeleton force there mm. uh, to protect Casterly Rock. Ooh. It's not Spooky. a tactic that hasn't been used in the show before. Mm. Definitely. I think, and uh, so, yeah, there's precedent for it happening in in so many ways it's it is a bit like um a bit like the showrunners haven't read they've only read like chapter one of war tactics and it's like distract your enemies by setting up a skeleton <laughs> and then go to your real time and they're like yeah do that one every time um yeah but but nah it's yeah they've set it up they've set it up really well yeah war strategy for dummies Exactly. Yeah, this is working. Just, just read, just read chapter one. <laughs> Why is Tyrion not read that? He's fucking up all over the place. Yeah. Jesus, man. <laughs> the battle, battle plans are drawn out. Uh, John and Danny will try and lure the Night King to the Weirwood as Bran will, and then they'll take him out from there. That's the plan. I don't think it's going to go to plan at all. Uh, this is the final evening for all of our characters to have their lovely farewells to each other, the reunions, those sort of intimate conversations and intimate actions that we've mm. been waiting to see some more so than others john was very disgusted at certain points during this episode <laughs> as was emma as was i um you were loving it mate oh, i was not you were loving listen it. to the live reaction because i'll put it in later so john it's only torment that seems to be on the milk <laughs> Um, so John, Samwell and Ed look back at their time in the Night's Watch and it's interesting, they stand on the wall and Dolores Ed says, and so our watch begins. And that is a lovely callback to the first time they were all on top of the wall uh, together. Mm. It is, and I like this scene, but what we've neglected to mention is just the random appearance of ghosts in the background. Oh, oh hell, yeah. and we're going to insert, <laughs> let's insert ghost reaction now. Ghost! <laughs> Fuck, I just noticed that. No. Just so nonchalant. In Thank that. God. Len was like, where is he? And it's like, no, he's there. He's right there. No oh, one. okay, yay. He, Len, Len just thought that that was Sam. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally, there's no acknowledgement whatsoever that Ghost is there, for a start. We've not seen him for fucking ages. <clears throat> he looks just, he looks like a puppy. Mm. Um, and he's just, he's not even doing anything. Just standing there. I mean, yeah. Does that now confirm that the reunion we'll get in next week's episode will be Nymeria Ghost and Ghost. Nymeria. Yeah, I mean, yeah. anyone who's listened to our oh, previous podcasts knows we are a big fan of Nymeria 
helping out in the Battle of Winterfell. I will help you. Literally, they can talk as well. <laughs> Big time. Uh, and sing. <laughs> I will help you. <laughs> um, no, we're a big fan of Nymeria turning up next week. So we're just saying that now. If you see that next week, we called it here first. Um, and the fact that Ghost was shown in the scene, I think, does mean something. I'm annoyed, and you can hear from our reactions there. I'm annoyed that, and we've talked about Ghost. Why is he not in the show? It, it can't be that expensive. You have dogs that you could just CGI up a bit. Do you know He's what I mean? A wolf, though, yes, isn't he? But, that is just a husky. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. it was shocking. He looked small, looked very small. They didn't even acknowledge him though. They didn't even acknowledge him. They didn't. They could have just had a line like. Oh, it's good to see you again, ghost. Or something like that. <laughs> you know, something nice. You know, just anything. Point is, though, um, they probably didn't acknowledge him because they didn't know he was going to be there. <laughs> I reckon they've put that in. <laughs> honestly, honestly, they've, they've seen all the criticism of the fact that yeah. they've been like, oh, fuck, do you know what? The fans are right. We haven't put Ghost in for like two years. They've just put him into a scene. Mm. He, he did feel very sort of after the thought. I reckon they got through it and like, Fuck, we haven't set Ghost up in any way, shape, or form. Just put him in the background of that Night's Watch shot. Yeah, yeah good. He's, he's just in the background yeah. where, like, Brienne's getting knighted. He's in the background <laughs> when Gingy's <laughs> fucking Arya. He's sitting there, no expression. <laughs> and then just start singing. Oh, <laughs> oh dearie oh. me. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh. Good. Very silly. Very good. Uh, Emma's looking at us disgusted at the moment, <laughs> but it's all good. Um, now, guys, I want to talk about this next scene uh, because, I, you know, I think we all felt a little bit um, conflicted watching this scene. Disgusted. Especially John, because he loves a bit of nudity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you just going for it with Gendry? Now, mm. I can kind of understand, like, this might be our last night on earth sort of vibe which is totally legitimate but i think i even said during the live reactions and i'll insert them now um <clears throat> it's not that here they are i feel mightily uncomfortable at this point i do want to see gendry naked but i'm not sure about this there you go emma <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what i wanted what's going on here it is game of thrones <laughs> We knew her since she was a little girl, man. Oh, yeah, this is so awkward. Fucking hell. I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that I feel conflicted because I'm sure we all do because the difference here is we've seen Arya since she was a, you know, a kid and it's it's I find it a bit bizarre that we've gone on this journey with her over 8 seasons. Mm. And then she's just done that. I mean, John, your face, you went white as a sheet, mate. Uh, it's just awkward, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's so awkward. It is awkward watching sex scenes with you lot, to be fair, most mm. most weeks. Yeah. Um, I just put hardcore pornography. Well, at least I know where I stand. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell. I thought I really wanted this, and it turned out I fucking didn't. Yeah. You I were loving so Gendry getting his top off. Yeah, yeah, for a moment. And then Gets I was like, now they're actually doing it. It makes me feel a bit weird. Yeah. But what she's done, she's gone and hung out with, uh, with the Hound and Berwick for a little bit, then gone, nah, not spending my last night on Earth with you lot, and then mm. decided to go and fuck Gendry, which I think is accurate. Well, I would. But... I think what happened is she was she was there with the Hound and Berwick, and then she she was getting a bit hot under the collar because remember she didn't go looking for Gendry. She was like, "Oh, I better get out of here." And then Gendry found her while she was, you know, in the mood. 
That is true. Probably because of the other two. Yeah, but she's so she's so smart, Gaz, and she's so like assassiny. She planned that he would do that. Mm. You know, she gave him the schematics for the weapon, all that sort of shit. <laughs> Not that sort of weapon, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you know, she knew that he would find her out. So, yeah. I so do you know what? I I don't I didn't have a problem with this happening in principle, but I was like, yeah, that's that's fine. I yeah, do that. We're not going to see it, surely. And then I was like, just waiting for the scene to end, and it kept going, and then it kept going, and it kept going. I was like, oh, for what is happening here? Why? Like you say, we've we've known her since she was twelve, and in the books, way younger. I mean, the thing is, it's difficult because we're all book readers, and it's you know the characters in the books are are far younger than they actually are in the show for obviously legal reasons in the show. I mean, Daenerys when oh, no, it's true. I'm just serious yeah. though. Like it's true. I'm just saying facts. Daenerys in the books, even when like Drogo, uh, yeah, Carl Drogo, yeah, yeah uh, marries her for the first time. I think she's twelve, twelve or thirteen, twelve or thirteen years yeah. old, and she's essentially raped by Drogo. It's, yeah. it's extreme. It's horrific in the book. It's horrific, yeah, yeah. and there are, you know, the book doesn't hold back. Well, anyway, other than that, it's nice that Gendry and Arya do have this relationship. I do think. I'm shipping it. I know you guys said mm. last week that you weren't necessarily too keen on it, maybe, potentially. No, I I, I thought it was going to happen, spot on. Yeah. yeah. Lucy was, was just like, absolutely not. I was okay with it, and now I just feel a bit repulsed by it. That's my only problem. Yeah, it just felt weird. I want them to be happy. I think her I think her <laughs> eyes lit up when he said, I'm Robert Baratheon's bastard, though. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that was um, weird. That uh, was weird, but yeah. I was, it was nice that she has that information. Mm. He's not just a run-of-the-mill blacksmith. I, I, that doesn't matter, mm. even if he was. But he no, Apparently it does to you. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, You're snob. Classist. Um, well, just saying. Uh, but it's nice that that, that, that relationship is, is blossoming. And here's a question for you. I know we're running long on this podcast, but it, mm. it's good to talk. It's good to have a little chat. <laughs> In the trailer, we see Arya running very scared. And we have that whole spiel that she gives in this episode about the, oh. the, the many faces of death. Oh. How poignant would it be after that chat she's just had with Gendry about the many faces of death if it's Gendry that she's running from who is dead? Nah. Nah. I think for me that's very symmetrical. and I think I, I don't like it. I don't like it because I want Gendry to live. I love Gendry. I think he's awesome. Um, he's He's... You know, he's heir to fucking Storm's End. Uh, now can we talk about my favourite drinking party that has probably ever existed? Mm. We have Tyrion, Jamie, Davos, Brienne, Podrick and Tormund Wee. having a drink together um, around the fire. Apparently the only fire in the whole of uh, Winterfell. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, oh, oh, what are you guys doing in here? I wanted to go near the fire. What? What do you mean? The um, one fire of winter. It would be funny if they had like just random extras just next to the fire as well. Yeah, trying to participate Pop- in the drinking game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, or just one of them starts. Ga- gamer categories to my left. Um, <laughs> Lords of Winterfell. Okay, I'll start. Um, <laughs> good banter. Yeah. Uh, I did very much like this because we've got a couple of scenes here. One which we alluded to in in the summarising of the episode. Tormund is excellent in this episode. <laughs> Mm. Oh my god, he's definitely dead. Oh my god. Some of the stuff he said in this episode was brilliant. Here's a couple of our reactions. That's how I got so strong. Giant's milk. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell if we end. Look at him go. (laughs) (laughs) The moment he's drinking that milk, uh, or whatever the fuck it is. 
you know, Liza Aaron, tell us what it was, but uh, it looked yeah. like milk. Yeah. Probably like Advoca or something. Oh, lovely. <laughs> He's a fucking wildling. How is he getting Advoca? <laughs> He sprayed the cupboard and put it in his horn. Like, Ooh. Ooh. Horny. Well, yeah, I love the way he did show off his horn to Brienne yeah. this episode, so yeah. just saying. Uh, all the it, stuff dribbling out of his horn all over oh, his beard. For fuck. Oh, that happened. It's fact. <laughs> it did happen. It is a fact. That scene was brilliant. Uh, Jamie's face during that scene was also brilliant. Yeah. He was like, who the fuck is this guy? Who are you? Um, it was, <laughs> well, it was genius you do? stuff. What would you do if some guy just walks in and he's like... Oh yeah, I hear they call you the ginger fuckhead. Or they call me <laughs> like like well, I mean that's not quite what they call me, but fine, yeah. And then, and then he goes, the oh man, his story is incredible because it sounds like he's trying to I I mean we we get a very similar story in the books, but yes. um it it's amazing how he it starts off like all this bravado like yeah, well they call me giant bane. And then it ends with him being suckled, by, like drinking the the giant giant, from a yeah. giant. Yeah. Like, and he thought it was her baby. And it was great because I said to John and Emma when we were watching it, I was like, "That's in the book," and he's obviously telling that story to John when John is a, a, a prisoner of the of the wildlings. Oh yeah, back way, 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 way long ago, <clears throat> sort of season two time in the show, yeah. um, and a Clash of Kings in in the books, yeah. and. We've never actually had that story before, and it is amazing to hear it. He is such a fantastic character yeah. with such an amazing breadth of emotions in terms of the fact that he's a you know he's he's a, he's a fine soldier for you know the wildlings. <laughs> I don't want to say warrior because you criticise me every time I say it. Oh, you don't warrior, say it yes, because I don't say it. Warrior, sure he is warrior, but, yeah. You know, warrior. Yeah. warrior, but he's also just a comical character. But that story, you're right, starts off being like I'm called Giant Spain. I mean, how fucking cool a name is that? That is cool. I mean, even one of the Valyrian steel swords should be called Giant Spain. It's that mm, cool. Yeah, um, maybe it will be. Yeah, and. That story's excellent. Jamie's reaction's brilliant. Brienne, I think, is warming to Tormund. I looked at her look at him <laughs> and the way she's she's looking at him now. I I'm, don't know. I'm, see, I'm seeing something there. I, I think no. she looked completely fucking baffled and horrified. Disgusted. Yeah, absolutely disgusting. Correct. And I've seen that look before. The thing is, Len Len thinks when a girl looks at someone like that that they're, that they're attracted to him because that's <laughs> all he gets. Yeah. That's a panic It doesn't alarm. give up. Uh, but we do get out of this scene one of the most excellent scenes of the episode, maybe the standout moment of the episode, mm. which is when Tormund questions the fact that, that Brienne isn't a knight. Correct. Uh, and very famously, you know, the, the show has, uh, you know, and the books are very feminist texts, actually, when you look at it. A lot of the main characters yes. are women coming through these terrible times and mm. actually growing into powers of position over the men which uh, positions of power uh, positions of power which <laughs> subjugated them originally and it's excellent yeah. that way but the one thing that you know hasn't been broken are the traditions of Westeros and therefore Brienne cannot be a knight yeah uh, Jamie and you called it John as mm. it was going on uh, Jamie knights I called it as he was knighting as her. he's yeah. knighting her <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie knights Brienne and I have to say all of us in this room absolutely loved it yeah arise Brienne of Tarth a knight of the seven kingdoms. Yes! Oh, sick. Look at that. I feel proper emotional now. 
Oh. <laughs> Fucking torment. Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. He's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. Yeah. I felt very emotional. Very emotional. Um, but I, you know, uh, I hold back tears with a glass of fucking Buck's Fizz, apparently. We've been drinking that all day. Um, that was great. Like, but but this is, you want to see the payoff uh, of the, uh, well, actually, th- this is going to be quite depressing. I think that's her arc now. I think she's yeah. going to die Correct. next episode. Yeah, correct. 100% agree. And yeah. the, the smile on her face at the end was like, that's a lovely smile. Your head's definitely going to be cut off next week. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Uh, it is true that we have said in our um, theory podcast and prediction podcast for season eight that one of Brienne or Jamie would die. And interestingly, when Jamie requested to serve under her uh, on the left flank of the, of the battlements this episode, it's clear they're going to be in the same vicinity. It's clear that one of them is going to die. And we'll see the other one turn into a white, which is terrifying. And Gareth had the theory that um, because in the books that Brienne of Tarth is described as having these beautiful eyes that shimmer like the Isle of Tarth itself, which is because of the blue water that surrounds it. Mm. It would be very poetic if she were to die and Jamie were to see that, especially after she is the more honourable member of that duo and someone he believes, you know, he would sacrifice himself for and he has Mm. done before. So... It that you know, just you know put a pin in it, but I think Brienne's gone mm. for next week, yeah, and I'm yeah. sorry to listeners to say that, but I'd be amazed if she makes it through next week's episode, mm. which is a shame. Yeah, um, but she's taught Pod well, and she's turned Jamie into the man that he we always knew he could be, mm. and that's important. So she has you know served, she's had a hell of a run. She's had a great like, run coming in beginning of season two as just a, a stooge to Renly Baratheon. She's had a hell of a run. Um, and she, she's become a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Very much so. Arise, uh, Sir Brienne of Tarth. Mr. Brienne. Mr. Which, Brienne. What? Which, <laughs> Don't call me that. No, but um, what's what, one little note here, I suppose, as well, is um, a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms is also the name of the Duncan and Egg stories. Mm. Um, ah, yeah. Of Sir, Sir Duncan the Tall, yeah. who is... Um, According to Groom himself, is uh, is is one of Brienne's ancestors. Yeah, um, and so we'll come cool. on to a little section about knights in a Song of Ice and Fire corner, a little segment that we have here every week, uh, which is going to detail the differences from books and give a little book insight. Uh, but before we do that, let's crack on with uh, the rest of the episode because it's almost over. Two major things to talk about here. Jorah and Liana Mormont have a conversation. Fuck, fuck for that. Jesus, man. I mean, that needed to happen last week, I felt. Um, we we get this conversation between them, and Liana is looking pretty fucking kitted out in her armour. Mm. I'm looking forward to seeing her die next week, because it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, She's gone. Let's face facts. Uh, and it's going to be terrifying when she raises again as a white as well. That's going to be also hard for us all to see. Does, uh, does Jorah have to kill her? Ah, oh, with Heartsbane. Mm. And Heartsbane oh. was also given to Jorah in this scene by Samwell. Heartsbane is a fucking cool sword. Yeah, very I cool. I mean, it looks like one of the coolest swords I've ever seen. Mm. I thought Longclaw was cool, but this Heartsbane looks legit. Mm. Um, well, of House Tarly, I mean, Jesus Christ, they are a battle-hardened house. They so. really are, and very successful in battle. Mm. I don't think they've ever lost. 
No. Don't think they've ever lost any, apart from, um, obviously, Rand- Randall Rand- just on lost the on, the, on the fields of fire. Badly. Yes, yeah. he got burnt. He's burned alive. And was dick on. <laughs> <laughs> burned his dick off. <laughs> the most important thing to talk about at the end of the episode that happened was John, and he has been extremely awkward in this episode towards Danny. Um, it was getting so awkward, I was like, Jesus. Mm. He confronts her and says, or she confronts him, and he reveals to her that he is actually, in fact as he stands in front of his mother's statue in the crypts, that he is, in fact, mm. her son and Rhaegar's son. And Rhaegar was married, and he is officially Aegon VI, uh, heir to the Iron Throne uh, and rightful king, uh, to which Danny does not respond very well. No, she is <laughs> Here are our live reactions to that moment. They were married in secret. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. After Rhaegar fell on the trident, she had a son. Oh, my God. Robert would have murdered the baby if he ever found out, and Leanna knew it. So the last thing she did, as she bled to death on her birthing bed, was give the boy to her brother. Ned. Ned Stark. <sighs> to raise as his bastard. Oh, God. My name. My real name. Oh, shit. Is there gone Targaryen? Oh! That's impossible. Oh, she were. Oh my god. Who told you this? Wham. Run. Wham. He saw it. He saw it. And Samwell confirmed it. So what we're thinking, guys, this is obviously a very, I mean, it's a very well-timed uh, conversation because the battle is just about to begin, so they can't resolve it. What are your thoughts I saw some criticism here because everybody, uh, people have a go at John, um, not least Lucy last week, who was absolutely tearing into him. But <laughs> like, let's not forget, he's our boy. He's, you know, we're, we're surely we're all John Snow fans. Yes, massively. And, I don't know what she's know, talking not, about. Like, he's I a limited which, actor. Garbage. Yeah. Oh, get he's fucked. A little bit. Um, anyway, he like he played all the awkwardness perfectly today. It was, it, it was great. Um, but. People have a go at John, the character, as well, and say, like, he's stupid and he makes poor decisions all the time. And they say, why would you have that conversation at that moment? Well, actually, it was perfectly timed from his perspective because it meant that he could say it and she could get a little bit angry. And then they're like, now they have to go and fight. So, yeah, they don't have to talk about it. Oh, why why have you been so awkward with me? Why have you been so awkward with me all day? Well, all it is is um, (laughs) I'm the heir to the Iron Throne so I mean you've asked and that's what it is and oh, who's, who's told you that and you're my auntie and we've been fucking yeah who's told you that oh just the Wan. The, the weird fella that's not my brother anymore in a wheelchair she's correct <laughs> to turn around and go well this is bollocks this is <laughs> do you think that it's occurred to John that she would be angry because he is the rightful heir or do you think he's not quite clicked that because I felt like when she said that he was going what I don't care about that. Yeah, I think he's more mm. concerned about the fact that he's he's having sex with his relative. Correct. Yes. I think that's what he's concerned about. Yeah. Targaryens, famously, so. throughout the books, have never... Really, that has not been a concern for them. Targaryens, you know, bred within the family for, for generations. They love it. They fucking love it. They think it's hilarious. Yeah, so for her, <laughs> growing up about the histories of her family, she understands that is something that happened in her family. Whereas for Jon, son of Ned Stark, in a way, you know, raised by Ned Stark... 
that is a situation which is diabolical for him to think of. Also, lots of things happen in family, like fucking child <laughs> abuse and murder. It doesn't mean you carry it on, does it? Well, that is true. Yeah, that very much true. so. And that, and that is our anti-child abuse advert there. Yeah. So. And uh, that's that's it for the episode. As the As the army of the dead approach Winterfell and everyone gets into position, we are... You know, sure to see one of the best, if not, as been rumoured, the best battle scene that the show has ever done mm. uh, next week. So next week is going to be absolutely mental. So tune in for that one. But we're not done yet, because as is tradition, we are going to kick off our, a song of ice and fire corner, which is related to the books to live, give some little tidbits about some of the book information we have from the, this week's episode and last week's episode. Uh, and then we'll we'll finish up after that. So here's a little musical interlude. Welcome to A Song of Ice and Fire Corner, uh, where every week we will give you little tidbits from the books. Uh, this week we've got some good stuff, actually, so be prepared to listen. Um, <laughs> Why are you surprised? Why are you, are you surprised by that? Every, I'll every threaten week. who I like. Every week. Um, the Golden Company. So this is something that I thought would be interesting to talk about because we talk about them a lot, um, especially for the last few episodes, because they're actually in the show now, which is mental when you actually think mm. about it. That they cannon are fodder. Absolute cannon fodder. Um, I don't know if they're going to be in this position in the books because they've got a very interesting situation at the moment yeah. uh, where we are in the books. Yeah. Uh, but it's important to talk about the Golden Company. Here's what the books have to say about the Golden Company. Uh, they consist of 10,000 men. In the show, they say there's 20. Can you at least put a voice on if you're doing the book? I can't do uh, his voice. He's very good, the audiobook guy. Um, so the Golden Company consists of 10,000 men, include 500 knights... Each with three horses. What's the point in that? Yeah, weird that. And a similar number of squires. So each knight has, you know, three squires apparently. Right. Doesn't make any sense. So that's why they need the horses for the squires. And each squire has a horse. So that's interesting. That's too many. Too many, if anything. The company has two dozen elephants. And we know that is a sticking point for Cersei. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if they can't afford to put Ghost in the show, then they're not going to put fucking elephants in there. Um, <laughs> Harry Strickland is the commander, and we saw him last week, guys. Scandy. He is nothing like Harry Strickland should be, correct? Yeah, correct. He's mm. What like is him. he? Mm. He's like te- he's like twenty years old or something. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think it's the same guy that played the original Beric Dondarrion. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Just an absolute nobody. Um, that was terrible last week. I have mm. to say. Yeah. Uh, but the Golden Company, you know. Uh, they have they take up contracts mainly in Essos, which is the other continent where Danny was was. Mm. Um, and in the books currently, we find them positioned outside Marine. Correct? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Marine is under siege, um, uh, similar to the point we were in season six with Danny. Yep. Uh, Stephen Seagal's there. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Under siege. <laughs> under siege. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Seagal. So, it's for our Steven Seagal podcast. Um, So, it is important to note that, you know, the Golden Company, it is mental there in the show. I can't see them holding much sway in the books at this stage. Mm -hmm. I think they've just had to drum up some extra soldiers from somewhere. I think think, think the, the books will be a lot more... 
uh, well crafted in terms of getting certain armies into certain positions and not wiping them all out. At well, look, point. I mean, it's better than fucking the pirate army that just appears in fucking Lord of the Rings. That is terrible. I mean, I'm that, not having that's, a go. That's Deus Ex Machina, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, this convenient ghost army that can't be beaten that are then only allowed to fight one battle. Yeah. It's just like, oh, fuck off. Like, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> this yeah. is our have a go at why, Tolkien yeah, corner. Yeah, but why didn't Aragorn say, I mean, let's just go on to this. Why didn't Aragorn say, uh, what say you? Will you fight me? Uh, will you fight with me until well, we defeat? Well, he didn't say yeah. don't fight me. That but would, why didn't he say, why don't you just help me defeat Sauron? And then I'll release you from the curse. Not, yeah. oh, help me in this one battle. Because uh, they can't be defeated. Good point, John. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, that is essentially what it is. Yeah. Let's talk about the White Walkers because they're upon uh, Winterfell as we speak. Okay. Uh, do we think we're going to see any ice spiders next week, team? So in the Ugh, books, gross. ice spiders are described as one of the methods of, of transport, you could say, mm. for the others or the White Walkers. Old Nan actually says to Bran in A Game of Thrones, and it's actually in the show as well in the first season, she says... In that darkness, the White Walkers came for the first time. They swept through cities and kingdoms, riding their dead horses, hunting with their packs of pale spiders as big as hounds. <laughs> you've, I mean, you've delivered that. like It's like a very lovely story yeah. to tell a child as they're falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. The end. <laughs> Idiots! You better not have man. these ice spiders. I'm not. I'm not down with that. Well, I know Gareth is a massive fan of spiders, um, and yeah. obviously being uh, in Australia. Uh, he's also our spider expert. So, what do you reckon, mate? Are we going to see um, the undead riding spiders? I mean, given given the like exoskeleton nature of a spider, if one was the size of a hound, it would immediately suffocate. So, not possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like that. Well, I'd like off. just Bran just turning around to old Nan, going, "Well, you're full of shit," because that that could never happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Very, very good. Um, I hope we see some ice spiders. I think that'd be amazing. But considering they haven't spent money on elephants or ghosts much, apart from shoving them in the back of scenes, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. Um, now, this episode is called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, and we thought it'd be good to talk about some uh, famous knights. Fucking damn straight. Famous knights in, in, in the history of Westeros. I'm going to list some off yeah. here. Oh, yeah. um, some you will know, listeners. And if you're a book reader, most you will know. But uh, some of them are book book uh, nights if you will only you in, only in books uh the smiling knight um so no one knows who the smiling knight was that's the most important thing about the smiling knight he was sort of a rebel um of the kingswood brotherhood he is an outlaw he's an outlaw yeah but he was one of the most famous knights and an amazing swordsman um we'll come on to how he met his his demise Later on, we've got Bittersteel or Agor Rivers, yep. you know. We've got uh, Robert Baratheon, who obviously eventually became king. Yep. Jamie Lannister, who is Jamie Lannister. Yep. Aemon the Dragon Knight. Damon Blackfire. The who, Dragon Knight is such a cool oh, name. Oh, it's an amazing name. Yeah. Um, a lot of these Too knights, much. actually, some of them took place during the Blackfire Rebellion. And, and yep. Damon Blackfire is uh, key to that. He is a, a Targ bastard, a Targaryen bastard, who <laughs> believes that he was, you know, a better fit to be ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. He was urged on by fellow bastards, Aegor Rivers, who we just mentioned, Bittersteel. Mm. Um, and he basically started the thing called the Black Fire Rebellion, which was this battle, civil war between Targaryens. Mm. Um, fascinating stuff in the books. You hear a lot about it in the um, 
Sir Duncan books as well. There's like a, I think the second Sir Duncan tale is it involves a lot of the Blackfire sort of stuff. But that he was, he's a very, very important person. Talking about Sir Duncan at all, and you mentioned him earlier, Gareth. He is obviously one of the most famous knights that we know in Westeros. He is brilliant. He is amazing. He comes from pretty much nothing, but ends up having uh, for a squire a Targaryen, uh, who is heir to the throne. Yeah, uh, Aegon. Well, Targaryen. he's not heir to he's the not throne. He's not heir to the throne, actually. He's actually fifth in line, but he ends up becoming uh, the king. Some yeah. stuff happens. A- Some stuff happens. The, the other Targaryens get fucked up, yeah. and he becomes king eventually. So he becomes a king's guard as well. So he's extremely famous. And as we know, Brienne is said to have lineage from Sir Duncan. Yeah. We have Barristan Selmy, who, who was amazing. He and is still, still alive in the books. Still alive at this point at the Siege of Marine. Mm. He died in Marine, famously in the show. As Grey Worm watched on. I mean, it was a bit random. Um, Terrible episode as well. It was a terrible episode. It was. And I was annoyed that he died because Mm. he's just great. Four blueberries. Yeah. Two, probably. (laughs) Because we have the dawn. Um, And let's talk about the greatest and most talented uh, warrior uh, to have ever lived. (laughs) Always worried. Sir Arthur Dane. Yeah. Yeah. Sword of the Morning. Yeah, he's good. The Sword of the Morning. And that's we have cool, actually seen that's, him that's a cool name. in the show, believe it or not. We saw him outside the Tower of Joy uh, in the books and in the show. It is led to believe that Ned Stark, you know. And now it begins. And now it begins. It's and led now to believe it that, ends. That's very good. <laughs> yeah. It's led to believe that uh, Ned Stark actually killed him. But as we found out, it was uh, he was stabbed in the back. Yeah. According standard. to very much so. Yeah, by the um, frog people, the the frog man. the reeds yeah yeah frog howland man. reed yeah. uh catelyn stark recalls him as the deadliest of the seven knights in Aerys kingsguard ned stark meanwhile thinks of him as the finest knight he ever saw few accounts of arthur dane who wielded the fabled sword dawn amazing name for a sword mm. would beg to differ differ with such assessments uh he also killed the smiling knight who we started this whole spiel off who was one of the most famous outlawed knights mm. in westerosi history uh and now Brienne can be added to that list. It's good. He he's just like, but Sir Arthur Dane. Everything about him just sounds amazing. Like he's so classy, like cool, classy name. Like it's not over the top, Sir Arthur Dane. You know, but it just sounds good. Sword of the Morning sounds uh, like amazing as well. Without without it having to be like, yeah, super dragon killer knight. Like All right. Sort of, you know, it's like it's cool, but without being over the top. Man, I would love, I would love to see, I'd love to see a show about him. Mm. Yeah, and we might, we might do it at some point, Gareth. You know, there's a lot of spin-offs in the works. Uh, Gareth, you had something that you'd wanted to add about um, Jenny. Yeah, I did. I reckon good time, good time for me to bring this up as well, given some of what you've just spoken about. So at the end of the episode, um, we obviously have Podrick breaking into song, which is, I mean, that voice. No wonder he's getting all the girls. We we'd like, said Gareth, just sorry to interrupt, but we'd said he'd put on a bit of timber, and we we think that he's put on the timber so he can get those pipes going. Mm. High in the halls of the kings who are gone, Jenny would dance with her ghosts, the ones she had lost and the ones she had found, and the ones who had loved her the most. The ones who'd been gone for so very long She couldn't remember the names 
They spun her around on the damp old stones, spun away all her sorrow and pain, and she never wanted to leave, never wanted to leave, never wanted to leave. Never wanted to leave. Never wanted to leave. He sings a song called uh, called Jenny's song, and uh, Jenny's song is actually it appears in the books, mm. um, and it's quite an interesting story. And it's um, so you, you mentioned we've mentioned a couple of times today, Sir Duncan the Tall, um, yeah. Brienne's ancestor. And he's sort of connected to this because uh, Jenny's song is about um, uh, a lady called Jenny, predictably. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, Jenny of Oldstones, her name is. And she was uh, basically a, a sort of mysterious commoner. Um, and uh, a, a chap called Duncan Targaryen, who was Aegon V's Son, so Aegon the Unlikely, yeah, who was Duncan Aegon. the Tall. Um, Duncan, Duncan the Tall had him as his squire. Yeah. So when, so when Aegon became, um, became king, he made Duncan uh, one of his king's guard and named his first son after him as well, uh, Duncan Targaryen. Now Duncan Targaryen was obviously in line for the throne, and he fell in love with Jenny of Oldstones and gave up the throne for her um which some are speculating might be a hint that that could be what uh danny um danny and john end up doing Ooh, as well in the yeah. show nah um, I like, I like, that's what that song is all about nah nah i love that let's end it by talking about heartsbane and the valerian steel sword so we know that a lot of our main characters have valerian steel swords now mm, and yeah. heartsbane has finally been placed in the hands of sejura mormont but heartsbane is the ancestral sword of house tarly mm-hmm. randall tarly said to, to gilly famously see that sword it's called heartsbane it's been in our family for 500 years it's valerian steel only a handful of them left in the world. Very true. Yep. Uh, it's supposed to go to my firstborn son after I die. That's Samwell. Mm. Uh, to him, he will never wield that sword. Because he's a Sam. fuck. Because he's a fucking use. No, he's lovely. We all love <laughs> Sam. But let's talk about the sword. So we talked about the Tarleys, actually, and mm. how they'd never lost until Randall obviously met his demise at the hands of Daenerys Targaryen. That's cheating, though. That is cheating. Um, But (laughs) during the reign of Aenys Targaryen, uh, Savage Sam Tarly, so there was another Sam Tarly, and he was called Savage Sam. Obviously, our Sam is called called Sam the Slayer, is his nickname. But Savage Sam Tarly was Lord of Hornhill. When the Dornish Vulture King rebelled against King Aenys, Sam led the royalist forces in the vulture hunt to defeat him. He wielded Heartsbane, which was said to run red from point to hilt with rebel blood. Two centuries... Yeah, it's awesome. Two centuries later... During Robert's Rebellion, Lord Randall, you know, Randall Tarly, who we have heard in even in the show is one of the best generals that has ever lived, mm. uh, is the only man to have defeated Robert Baratheon mm. when Robert Baratheon was trying to rebel against uh, the Mad King. Mashed him up. And he absolutely, you know, is the only defeat that Robert, rebellion, uh, Robert had during the rebellion mm. at the Battle of Ashford. So he, you know, this sword has seen some serious action. 
Um, and I'm hoping that now that Jorah is wielding it, he might survive next week's encounter. Maybe. Um, oh. You know, I think that's a pivotal <laughs> moment. I think that's a pivotal moment for Jorah. I think he might survive next week's battle, but it, that is, you know, yet to be seen. Hopefully he does. I like Jorah a lot. It just and- feels like he'll definitely die. Um, and the way that they know is that Sam finds the sword. Ooh, I like that as well. Well, I think he'll survive. John thinks he'll die. Every, you know, everyone else, Jorah dead next week? No. Okay, Gaz? <laughs> um, I reckon Jorah survives. Hmm, interesting. And that is it for this week. I want to thank everyone for listening to us. And if you have enjoyed listening to our ramblings on the episode and our thoughts on the books, you can subscribe. Please do subscribe to Bastards and Broken Things on any podcast app, Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher. And even better, if you like things like Marvel, you know, the Avengers Endgame Ooh, film like is coming out. Really oh, good, good, yeah. If you like things like The Walking Dead. Oh, I like The Walking Dead. That's if really you good. like, uh, what else do we do? Stranger Things. Terrible, yeah, terrible Netflix. Netflix while, the worst of Netflix, where we criticise the worst shows on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I don't like that one. And you just like our general <laughs> conversational style then please do subscribe to our main channel which is called Fan Critical you can find that also on any podcast app Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify anywhere you look we are there watching talking to you Um, very much so Uh, we've drunk a lot of Prosecco we've had a very good time watching this show together Uh, and we want to thank you for listening I want to say thank you to John and uh, you know House Tarly with Heartsbane thank you oh that was very good actually you you sound like a smelly northerner (laughs) As you like to call them so very they well. Are Thank you to uh, Crazy Liza Aaron for uh, breastfeeding John for three months. I'd, I'd say goodbye properly. Me? Dead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. See you later. Uh, and thank you for uh. Gareth and House Tully. You know, you know, thanks Gareth over there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Again, we're, we're watching, watching the rivers, making sure nothing comes down them. Very good. And I've been your host, Len. Uh, Valor, Daharis, Lucy would usually say Valor Magulis. So Emma, I'll let li- crazy, li- crazy Liza Aaron say it. Go on. Uh, no, I can't say that. Uh, say Val- Valor Magulis, John. Go on. Valor Magulis. Oh, very good. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week for the Battle of Winterfells. Bye. Oh, I can't wait. Bye. Bye.